It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. It's one thing to work at the same office or factory for 40 years. You might have enjoyed some or most of it, but my guest has spent 40 years on Broadway. He's Brent Barrett, and he's performing Brent Barrett, My 40 Years on Broadway in Myron's at the Smith Center this Wednesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. For ticket information, go to thesmithcenter.com, and for everything about Brent Barrett, that's two R's and two T's, you can go to brentbarrett.com and you can follow him on Instagram. And Brent, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ira. How are you? Good. And I'm, thank you for nice coming on. So, yeah, it's a pleasure. I, I want to nail you down right in the beginning. Your favorite show that you performed in, because you have been in so many, and we'll get into a lot of them, but what, what's your um, favorite show? Oh, my God. Um, I think probably, uh, oh, my God, that's such a hard, that's a difficult question. It's, it's probably a toss-up either between Chicago the musical, or uh, or Camelot. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Now, you started, you made your Broadway debut as Tony in the 1980 revival of West Side Story. Here's the thing, and for our, our listeners, those who are not viewing us, okay, you've been 40 years on Broadway. You look like you're, there's no way you'd be 40 years on anywhere. <laughs> in other words, what I'm doing is it's a compliment in the sense of how you look versus me, who I've been 40 years on something, but I look like I've been in 40 years in the coal mine. You look like you haven't worked too hard in the last 40 years, but clearly you have because of what you do. So what's the secret? Uh, well, that's very <laughs> sweet, I guess. I mean, the first thing is I have very good genes. My mother just passed away this year at 105. I'm sorry to hear that, and but at the same time, 105 is wonderful. 105. It was uh, 20 days short of her 106th birthday. So I, and my father passed away when he was 82. So I mean, I come from good stock out there, you know, in Kansas. But I think part of it is, you know, I never thought of this, my career as work, because I love doing what I do. So I think that ha that also helps. And, uh, and when you are in this business, you know, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do to keep yourself looking good. If we're, um, <laughs> the four phantoms are going to be shooting their, uh, PBS special in, uh, in March. And so it's like, okay, well, it's like, let's, we gotta get camera ready. When it is your passion, clearly it's a different situation than if you're just doing drudge work. But even so, when you think about what it takes to, besides the talent side, what it takes to perform on Broadway, that's a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of discipline. Yeah, you have discipline. To, That's a better yeah. word for it, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, every everything in your life is scheduled for your show because you, you go through your entire day and then you go to work. So you have to be careful what you do during that day. And sometimes if, I mean, when, you, when I was younger, you know, you're running around doing auditions all day and then you go and you're doing your show at night. Right. So, you know, you have that energy. Now, at this point, I, you know, I tell people, I said, I don't think I'd want to do eight shows a week <laughs> because you have no life. Right. You just, uh, you have one day off a week and that you spend that, you know, running around doing errands and whatever you do that you can't do what you're supposed to do. Right. So, you know, can't do, you know, during the week. And 
you know, I thought when I was, I, I think, you know, when I was 32, I thought, oh, I will never do anything else. It's, it's like, I'm going to live in New York for the rest of my life. And I'm going to do theater. I'll just die on the stage. Um, <laughs> and, um, but then, you know, I, when I came out to Vegas to do uh, Phantom in 2006, and I realized, because I mean, I'm from a very small town in, in Western Kansas. So my dream was to go to New York and be in New York. So the thought of living anywhere outside of that was totally foreign. But once I got out of there, after be- living there for over 40 years, I realized, I think I've paid my dues. I had enough. And I wanted to get out and have a, an entirely different way of life. What was the name and, of the town that you were raised in? You mentioned a little town. Um, it's, it's called Quinter. Population was 900 when I was growing up. Now they're down to 750. It's it's one of those towns that are probably 12 blocks each way, no stoplight, <laughs> out in the middle of the wheat fields of western Kansas. Right. It was, so, I, you know, when I look back, it's like I go, how did I ever get out of it? <laughs> well, my terrible joke about that is the, the town was so small that both city limit signs were on the same post. And so, uh, basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but you, it's amazing when you think about it. You come from a small town. How do you end up on Broadway? I want to talk about some of the shows you read, and obviously your current show at the Smith Center. But how did you end up on Broadway? What was the path you took that you knew that you had that kind of ability to do that? I um, I guess when I was a, a junior in high school, I, I did my first musical. And it was like, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. So there was a town just 55 miles west of where I grew up. It's called Hayes, Fort Hayes. And there was university, Fort Hayes State. So my senior year, I transferred to Hayes High and went to college, went to high school in the morning, finished my last three classes. And then uh, I started my, I, I went to college, the college classes in the afternoon. So I did that for a year to finish high school. Then I stayed there for a year. I was a voice major. It was a little liberal arts college. And basically you went there if you wanted to be a teacher and, uh, I had some great instructors there, and they suggested Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. I uh, looked it up. I I filled out all the paperwork, uh, submitted it, and they they called me to come audition for the program. It was the first their first year of musical theater. Of course, this was back in 1975-76, and there were only about two or three musical theater programs in the entire country. Mm. Now every university as a musical theater program. So I was accepted into the program. There were only 10 of us in that program. There were 60 in the acting department, but there were only 10 uh, students in musical theater. And we got a cross of dance and, and music and acting. And I was there for three and a half years. So the casting director, Barry Moss, came out from New York. Hughes Moss casting. He auditioned everyone in the chorus because they were looking for a riff. Now, I'd only had three, two and a half, three and a half, three years of dance training. So it was like, I, I, you know, I had no illusions that I was going to be Riv, but I thought, well, maybe I could be one of the Jets. Two of us come up to New York to audition for the Broadway company. And there was a, a couple of auditions that I, uh, that I had to go to. And then sometime in October, I got the call as I was finished. I was, you know, it was my the senior year at Carnegie Mellon. And I got the offer to go to New York and do West Side Story. And so I did the, I, I was the, uh, I played the role of Diesel for the tour and nine months or yeah, six months on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And then I took over the role of Tony. I mean, it was just, 
I was really lucky but just, you know, being in the right place at the right time with the right tools. <laughs> when you got the call to go to Broadway, Broadway has a magic. Were you instantly aware of that magic when A, you got the call and B, you actually got to Broadway and went on stage? I was, I was kind of in shock, basically. I was stunned. I, you know, you, when you're young, you, you do whatever you need to do. And I, I, I stayed with a, a friend from Carnegie Mellon who had graduated and was living in New York. I slept on his couch for the entire rehearsal process. Then we went out of town. And, uh, then when I came back in, I was, uh, sharing a, an apartment with somebody that I'd met on tour before I got my own apartment. But during the rehearsal process, most of the kids, I would say probably 80% of, of the, of the Jets and the Sharks have, had done previous Broadway shows. There were probably a handful of us who it was our first Broadway show. And so I was just kind of a sponge. I would just sit, listen to all their stories of doing Peter Pan with, you know, and, <laughs> and everything. And I was just like, okay, because yeah, I felt, you know, I have nothing to contribute to this conversation at this point. <laughs> so, um, about, uh, well, the shows I did in college, but you know. <laughs> Did you, um, but did you so, pinch yeah, yourself when it was, you were... it was a magical time? Yeah, you know, it was also it was also 1979, and you wouldn't walk down Ninth Avenue during the day because of the pimps and the prostitutes and the drug dealers. At night, you know, um, there were two peep houses that were operating on 42nd Street, and the rest of the street was dead. I remember so vividly walking, turning the corner from Broadway on 42nd Street, walking over to the subway, and there was a tumbleweed just blowing down 42nd Street at midnight. You know, that's that's how much the city has changed since I went there. And the, the difference between the magic of the Broadway stage and, as you say, you walk a block or two and all of a sudden reality hits you on the other side, so you were able to experience both worlds. Enjoy yeah. the one on, on stage, obviously. So did the magic yeah. stay with you, Brent, over all these shows that you performed? And some of the shows, just for our audience who may not know, in addition to West Side Story, Phantom of the Opera, uh, South Pacific, Annie Get Your Gun, Chicago, Grand Hotel, Kiss Me Kate, Camelot, Closer Than Ever. That's a long list of Broadway hits. And did the magic stay for you throughout each production? Yeah, I guess I'm a little simple, Ira. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's always there. And the nerves are always there. You know, there's always, I mean, rarely you go out on stage because it's, it's live. It's a live performance of whatever you're doing. So anything can happen. So there's always this little bit to a later, greater or lesser degree kind of fluttering going, okay, take a deep breath and you go. And, uh, but I, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever lost that feeling of excitement for what I do. Even though I don't live in New York anymore, I still love, I love going to the theater and I love performing. Some of the shows or productions were clearly written, composed by people who are no longer with us, but a few had composers and lyricists that were around at the time you started. Did you ever get a chance or a, an opportunity to meet any of the lyricists or composers of any of the productions? Yeah, I, well, Leonard Bernstein conducted our opening night performance at the Kennedy Center in Washington. Yeah, you can't get any better than that. Yeah. And then 
there was I you know I I our, our paths crossed a couple of times, but I was just I was always so intimidated. One night before I took over the role of Tony, they they were through a cast party for us. I think it was called some place called El Morocco, and uh, Ruthie. Uh, Ruth Mitchell, who was our producer, who was uh, had been Hal Prince's who uh, right hand man, right hand person for years, and and she came over and said, "Oh, Lenny's coming in. I come on. I, I want you to come and sit and you know and talk to him." And I'm going, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> and, but fortunately, he was really loud, and so we couldn't have much of a conversation anyway. Then you know, I auditioned uh, for Stephen Sondheim several times. I did Alan J. Lerner of Lerner and Lowe. I did his last Broadway show, so I knew him. Did you ever get the sense from meeting some of these people that you were touching Broadway history or interacting with Broadway history? That might be a better oh, yeah. term. Oh, definitely. And Broadway I mean, history from obviously a time when when you had the, the golden age and as the Great American Songbook, and you had all these amazing composers and lyricists during a short period of American history. Yes, you knew their royalty, but not by the way they acted, just because you knew their history. When I first went to New York, my friend Chris Denny, who's been my musical director for 40 years in New York, he was doing a show with Josh and Hedda Logan. Now, Josh Logan was a big film and theater director back in the 40s. He directed the original South Pacific. So he and his wife were doing this little kind of I remember it well show. And... uh they needed a young woman, a young female singer and a young male singer. So I did a few of the gigs with them doing all the, you know, all the classic stuff from, from Oklahoma and South Pacific. And he, yes, he, he was, uh, he was larger than life. He had to be, yeah, he's a very well known and respected name in, in that world. Did you ever think about, and I know this is out of your wheelhouse, but since you had an opportunity to meet some of these great names, in Broadway history. Did you ever think about getting a chance to sit down with them and record an interview like we're doing now, and just get a chance to record a conversation with them? You know, no. I, that was not something that crossed my mind when I was 23 years old, you know, you know, 23 to 30. And it's like, I mean, when you're working with somebody, it's, I guess you're just focused on, on the work and what you're mm-hmm. doing and trying to tell the story and, because there were, I never really, it wasn't, we were working together, but we weren't spending a long time outside of the workspace, going to dinner or whatever. And because I was young at that point, and they were all much older, it wasn't, the, those weren't the people I were ha- that I was hanging out with. No, I understood completely. Yeah. Now, did you think about uh, what we call today a selfie? Did you think about getting a picture with no, and it kills me. You know, doing this, doing this 40th anniversary show. I know there's a picture of the Jets on opening night. We rented tails, and we're standing around like holding cigars with the tails. And it's like I know I see this photo, and I cannot find it anywhere. There's also one of of closer than ever where we're all there, and B. Arthur had come to the show, and it's like I. I've got that somewhere, and I have no idea where it's at. Oh, frustrating. Oh, that is yeah. frustrating. Well, let's talk a little bit about your show at the Smith Center. Again, it's called Brent Barrett, My 40 Years on Broadway. It's in Myron's at the Smith Center, and it's this Wednesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. How did you structure it, and how did you work it? 
so that people get a taste of all of those elements of your career? I started the show during COVID, and I did a small version of it at the Vegas Room, which was a little dinner club that opened up during COVID. I was the artistic, I, I, I was the entertainment director when it first opened. And they wanted me to do a couple of shows. So I decided I'll take, you know, take this and do uh, an anniversary show. And then we've expanded it. I start out, you know, there are some songs, songs from shows that I didn't do, songs from shows that I'm using to kind of tell a story. And, but I do, you know, we have things from West Side Story, Lacage, The Wiz, Annie Get Your Gun, Kiss Me Kate, Phantom. We, ha- we, we cover the big things. I can't cover everything because we'd be there all night. <laughs> which, um, which is actually a good idea. I think you should try that. <laughs> <laughs> the all, um, all night yeah, with bread. People, <laughs> people can just wander in and wander out. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll just sing for midnight <laughs> to noon. Um, I, can, uh, I, can, I could actually see the Bread Barrett telethon. Where they're just doing it. It's 24 hours. Come on in when you can. I'm not sure how many people would tune in. But that could be. Um, I do something from Closer Than Ever. And yeah, and then the, with this show, because we're at the Smith Center, we're going we're gonna to be adding photos and some videos. And, some, and so it's going to be more of a multimedia evening than it ever has before. Oh, that's a great idea. Are you working with any additional uh, dancers or... Uh, backup singers and or how are you saying it all? We're just, it we've got a, we've got the, our combo. Philip Portenberry is uh, my musical director. Don Mioli's on the drums. Dave Ostrom and Steve Summers uh, playing the reeds. Joan Sobel is going to do a uh, is coming on as a guest star to do a couple of uh, tunes, and and Bernie Blanks is going to uh, be there to do another duet. How important is the? I'll use the word scripting or the patter for the show. What I mean by that is you want to introduce these different songs to represent different things. So you're going to say something about each of these songs and how they fit into your career, I'm assuming. Yeah. So you script it a certain way. I'm, again, I'm making the assumption that that's how you set it up. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, you know, some people are much better about just being off the cuff and just go out and talk, talk, talk. But, but I like <laughs> to kind of have I – like, I, I like more of a, a map through my journey. Yeah, and, understood, uh, understood. That so, um, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of write everything out, but then you let it go. You know, it's the, Bernie tells me, it's like, Brent, this is your life. So it doesn't matter what you say because it's your life. <laughs> but, you know, you want to get all kind of the details and the points along the way that make the journey make sense. Do you see this a show as something that you could take on the road and present in different well, cities? Yeah, we venues? have. Philip and I played, we played Feinstein's at the Nico in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We did two performances of it in uh, Sheridan, Wyoming. Oh, yes. Which, I've been there uh, never. Yeah, you know, you know <laughs> no, I've been there it's, never. Well, it's a I'm sweet saying. little town. <laughs> I bet um, it is. No, I just haven't been there. This, this wonderful couple have opened this gastro pub and they wanted to do kind of a supper club evening. Nice. So there was a Person up there is uh, Gina uh, Felicia who lives in Sheridan, who was uh, who was uh, was in, in Phantom and other Broadway shows. Lives there with her family, so I got a call from her saying, "Would you like? Would you come? Be interested in coming up and doing this?" And it's a great idea. It was fat. It was fantastic, yeah. and it, you would. It was so funny. The first night, it was the whole audience. You could tell 
they had been to New York and San Francisco, Los Angeles, pop, 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 right? The second night was like we had moved to a different town. It was a totally different audience. Interesting. It was more of a local's audience. Some of them, I would imagine, probably haven't been out of Wyoming. And it was fascinating from the the reaction the first night and the second night where they were just totally silent because they had no frame of reference to anything I was doing. But, But, But they enjoyed it. They loved the show. And that's what they're trying to do in Sheridan. And so I'm going back in December and doing three Christmas shows nice. because it's so successful. Well, when I said I didn't, I've never been to Sheridan, I've never been to Wyoming. And I like small towns that actually have opera houses. You know, Northern Nevada has several opera houses and, and other kinds of presentations that work really well. It's nice to see that in rural areas. Are you from, Are you? where are you from? Originally L.A., but I've been in Las Vegas for a long time, since 78, I think it is. So I'm, I you've consider seen, myself a Las you've Vegas. You've changed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, as I age, though, I'm looking at Brent, and Brent looks great, like nothing's happened. So there you go. <laughs> but, but, of course, he's a performer, so he's got to take care of himself, eat right. I was going to ask you, too, about what you were talking about, your experiences on Broadway and productions. I imagine in the early days, after the show, or shows, yeah, on Broadway, you guys would go out and party a little bit. I oh, yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. But but now I think you probably maybe for an hour and say, I gotta get home and get some sleep because I gotta show Oh no. <laughs> well, unless um we'll probably go have a couple of drinks after the show on the fourth. But no. maybe <laughs> once a year we'll have a, a party evening. You know what I mean? Right, right. Where we Stay out late, go dancing, and there's, but it's like, <laughs> life, life is too short and precious. Yeah, you're right. You got to, you got to stay healthy. That's the important <laughs> thing. So, well, I, you know, I nailed you in the beginning about who your, what your favorite production was, and I'd like to also have you focus on who your favorite composer and or lyricist is in all the shows that you've performed in. Yeah, I mean that's difficult too because it's right. you know it's such it's so apples and oranges with doing. And also of the you know the style. I mean, I love I love Candor and Ebb. You know, Chicago has been such an important part of my life. But their music has too, because I was when I was still in college, I did a Candor and Ebb review, and then I did a, a review of theirs um, in New York called "And the World Goes Round," which I did the workshop of. But then I went on a tour with Grand Hotel, so I didn't actually bring it into Broadway or into New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Alan J. Lerner and Frederick Lowe, who did Camelot and Gigi and My Fair Lady. And But then there's, you know, the seminal person of, of our generational life is Stephen Sondheim. I mean, no one crafts lyrics like Stephen Sondheim did. I like your answer because you can't give a, an answer of one person. There's, so, there's such a wealth of talent in all those people you mentioned. And I'd go yeah. further back and I would mention Cole Porter and George and Ira Gershwin and all Cole those. And Irving Berlin. Yes, Irving Berlin I mean, as well. It's, Absolutely. Um, uh, I mean, Irving Berlin was, I mean, the, every song in Anna Get Your Gun is, is a hit song. When it, you know, yeah. when, it, when it debuted on Broadway, every tune became a hit song. And, and Cole Porter, I love, love Cole Porter. 
just um, I do several of his numbers during you know for on very various shows or and uh, yeah I know I I, I, I mean you've gone forever with the with the talent that's out there. Yeah. Looking ahead, we have about a minute left. Looking ahead for you, uh-huh. are you is your main focus as we just discussed taking it on the road again once you've done it at the at the Smith Center. Well, the thing is, I've got several projects that I do. One is called the Broadway Tenors, which is what I produce. We're doing four concerts, two in, two in November, two in December. But then I'm also involved with the four Phantoms in concert. And so come the mid-October, we're going to start touring through April. So we're going, we have a pretty full schedule. Um, but after my concert here, I'm going down to Mexico with Keith Thompson and Phil Fortenberry and what we're doing in Four Singers, Nikki Scalera, Marin Wade, and Doug Carpenter. And we're doing a Broadway Goes to Hollywood for this international music festival in Guanajuato. Guanajuato. Sounds like a packed schedule. It's kind of busy. And then, yeah. and then my husband, Bernie, and I are going to do our duet show called Islands in the Stream, December 1st at The Space. Oh, very good. That's in Las Vegas as well, right? That's in Vegas. And basically, we're just going to be singing songs that you know and uh, talking about our 20-year relationship. Great. Well, that's a great way to leave it. And by the way, for if you want to get more on Brent, too, I'm going to mention his website again because he's won all these awards and all kinds of stuff, which you can find on his website. I don't want to get it too far into it in our conversation together because we we go, as you said, like the Smith Center, we'll be doing this all night. So yeah. my guest has been yeah. Brent Barrett. He's performing Brent Barrett, My 40 Years on Broadway in Myron's at the Smith Center this Wednesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. And for ticket information, go to thesmithcenter.com. For everything about Brent Barrett, go to brentbarrett.com and you can follow him on Instagram. And Brent, thanks for being on the show. Ira, thank you so much. So appreciate it. Pleasure. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah,